This week, Paul Lanzi from Remedian is with us to discuss your favorite IETF standard, SKIM. Then Bill Bernard from DeepWatch joins us to talk about accelerating security response. Finally, in the enterprise security news, funding slows down, but we still have a few fundings, and acquisitions ramp up big time. VMware and Mantech International both get picked up. PE shops do some merger matchmaking. Investors tell their portfolio companies to buckle up and adjust the thermostat a bit. A new story category for the very first time, layoffs in InfoSec, particularly at InfoSec vendors. First time we've ever had to uh, head stories on that. Also a great source for cloud security studies, misconstrued sarcasm, all that and more on this episode of Enterprise Security Weekly. This is Security Weekly, for security professionals, by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show where we talk security vendors and aren't afraid to name names. It's Enterprise Security Weekly. Is your team ready to defend against the latest cyber threats? Validate human cyber defense readiness with RangeForce. Sharpen your team's capabilities with a cloud-based platform that takes a real-world, continuous approach to cybersecurity skills development. RangeForce empowers cyber defense readiness at scale. With hundreds of interactive modules, learning paths mapped to industry frameworks, skill assessments, and team-based defensive threat exercises. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash RangeForce to learn more. Imagine this scenario. You're out of the office unexpectedly and a colleague pings you because they need access to some system you have credentials for. Now, my listeners would never send passwords over email or Slack. But what about your coworkers? How many organizations out there are sending logins back and forth in plain text? Worse yet, how many just store all of their logins on a shared spreadsheet? Keeper Security's password management platform locks down logins, payment cards, and more in a patented zero-knowledge encrypted vault. Sign up for a Keeper free trial today. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash Keeper. Welcome to Enterprise Security Weekly and happy National Paper Airplane Day. This is episode 275, recorded on Thursday, May 26, 2022. I'm your host, Adrian Sanabria, and joining me for the first time is Joe South. How are you, Joe? I'm good. How about you? Uh, your accent isn't nearly as Southern as I was expecting. <laughs> well, I'm from Chicago, so. <laughs> False advertising. Oh, maybe it's <laughs> Joe, Joe Southie? Joe, Joe South? Uh... <laughs> yeah, right. I, I get that a lot. Oh boy, I'm sorry. I, I get it. you. Oh, you funny. can you can yell "Yo, Adrian!" at me uh, anytime if you if you want to retaliate. Uh, I need so, a few drinks first. Yeah, yeah. Um, how do you feel about paper airplanes? I think it's pretty cool. We have a National Paper Airplane Day. It caused me a lot of detentions growing up. That's for sure. Getting bored I, in grade school, just trying to figure out how I can make a paper airplane to hit my teacher all the way across the room while they're talking. No, I, I was a big paper airplane fan to the point to where even as an adult, I love gadgets. And um, I went on a bit of a Kickstarter binge a couple of years ago and I, I found this uh, Bluetooth controlled paper airplane kit that you can get. And this is like the third wow. version of it that they made. As you can see, still in the plastic, never get around to it, which is is classic me, like buy a bunch of gadgets and never get around <laughs> to using them. But that didn't stop me from buying 4.0. <laughs> <laughs> so I also have 4.0 of the same gadget and uh, and have never 
never taken them out. Uh, I will get to them eventually though. Uh, that's pretty I, awesome. Yeah, they look pretty cool. Um, I guess you just have to find a day that's not too windy and, you know, go find a park or something like that. A good place to, to stretch it out. Uh, anything like this, my luck is it, it noses straight into the ground. Like yeah. I remember the first time I got like one of those aerobie boomerangs. Like have you ever played with the aerobie frisbees that can go like a quarter mile on a throw oh, or something yeah, like that? Yeah. They have the Guinness book of world records. I, I threw the boomerang version of it once went into the trees about 300 meters away. Never saw it again. <laughs> first throw. So that's, uh, that's generally my luck with it. That's like me playing uh disc golf. I, I cannot for the life of me throw that driver like more than 50 feet. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So today we are talking about a standard called skim. I, I assume you pronounce it like skim. Is that that's right? right. Paul? Can we say skim. skim all day long? Okay. S-C-I-M is how it's spelled. Uh, S-K-I-M might be what, what you would uh, go for, but it is S-C-I-M. And it stands for the System for Cross-Domain Identity Management. Uh, Paul Lanzi, co-founder and COO of Remedian, is here to explain why Skim is worth a good chat. Welcome, yeah, Paul. Thanks, Adrian. Happy to be here. Yeah, so, um, you know, I guess, I guess right off, like, you know, my question is, I understand I'm probably using Skim right now or I've used it today, but I, I've never heard of it. Why Why haven't I ever heard of it? You know, even though this thing is what, like 10 years old? Yeah, it's actually more than 10 years old. And, and you probably are using it right now, even though you don't know it. Um, so Skim is used primarily to connect different identity systems together, which sounds like the most fascinating thing in the world and which it is. Um, but what it means in practical terms is that this is the system that gets used whenever you're creating accounts or trying to synchronize information about accounts between systems. So if your bank recently merged with another bank and they're trying to keep both banking systems online, uh, almost certainly they're using skim under the covers to do that. Or, uh, the first time you log into some, the, whatever the latest B2C offering is, right. Uh, you know, Instagram 4.0, uh, it's probably behind the scenes mm -hmm. using skim to provision and change account information, uh, between whatever the identity provider is and that new service provider. So what, what about SSO? Like, like that tends to be more in the realm of, um, um, well, like if I'm logging into something using my Facebook account or using my Google account, is that also skim? It can be. It depends. Uh, so SSO providers may send enough information in the initial logon so that the new the service provider that you're logging into for the first time has enough information to create the basics of an account. But more typically, especially in enterprise systems, skim would be used behind the scenes ahead of time to synchronize account information between those enterprise systems. Okay. Yeah. And skim is really a collection. When we, we talk about skim as if it is, as, as, as it's a standard, which it is, it's an IETF standard, uh, draft standard technically, but it's actually a collection of three different things. There's a object and schema model. That's RFC 7643 for those, uh, you know, keeping track at home. Uh, there's a rest API. So all of what we just described is all happening with sort of normal looking rest API type calls between systems. Uh, it's not some mm -hmm. particularly onerous or strange protocol. Um, that's RFC 7644. And then there's a list of use cases. So the things like we're describing right now about keeping enterprise systems in sync with each other or setting up a new account for provisioning, those are described in a use case document, which is 7642. So those are all really useful uh, references as we think about what does Skim do and how does it uh, how does it affect my daily life? 
So, you know, I guess uh, another question, like I, I generally associate SAML, SAML v2 with uh, like if I'm using a SaaS service and I want to use a different uh, authentication provider, like say Okta or something like that. Uh, is that uh, does that overlap with with skim? Is that a competitor to skim or are, are they um, w- would you use both? You would use both. So the yeah, these, these, those are definitely complementary. Okay. So SAML is all about how do you authenticate? How do I prove that this thing, this this entity that's trying to log into my Google account is actually Adrian, right? Um, that's where that's where SAML okay. comes into play. And there's nothing around authentication in skim. In fact, that's actually one of the shortcomings. Um, one of the meta shortcomings oh, okay. we're trying to, to address with the, with the, the skim working group, but um, skim would be between the identity systems itself, right? So that'd be between like say a Google directory and um, SAP, for instance, right? They, they may be speaking skim to each other to synchronize uh, account information. So account information being like anything from actual, ju- just uh, account details, like, like what's my phone number and stuff like that. Uh, like, maybe even get my my profile picture or something like that to uh, authorization data. That's right. Well? Exactly. So that when you log into SAP, it's very important that we see that Beagle picture, which we know is your really, that is your, right. You know, that's your iconography, right? So uh, yes, yeah. exactly. So uh, pictures of you uh, for your profile, your last name, first name, phone number, email address, all that sort of uh, identity information uh, often rides a skim wave in between systems. I had forgotten that Gravatar existed yeah. and I logged into something for the first time the other day and it knew who I was and it freaks me out <laughs> because it was a picture from like 12 years ago, like the last time I'd used uh, Gravatar and it I, I had one of those just, you know, those moments where you're like, what what just got yeah, hacked? Right. Like what just happened here? <laughs> you know, I, I probably set that up around the same time I set up my MySpace, so I am terrified to look and yeah. look, see what my gravatar is. But it's still being used. Yeah, yeah it's I, I think it's Auth zero. Like uses it by default. Mm. Like sometimes if you use Auth zero uh, as a provider. Yeah, the other one that gets me all the time is the Google Plus Hangover. Right when we all have Google Plus, uh, and it uh, you still see yeah, links. We all set our profile images, and those things crop up in weird places now across Google's portfolio. Yeah. Once they have it, they have it forever. Uh, good, good thing to keep in mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't like getting rid of things that you give them. They, they hang on to that stuff. Um, and, and this is more of a community thing that you're doing, not directly tied to Remediant, right? Yeah, that's right. So Remediant, we play in the privilege access world uh, for large enterprises, um, and so we don't do anything directly related to Skim. There is a, a proposed extension called Skim Pam that talks about. How do you keep information around privilege access in sync between systems uh, using Skim as an underlying protocol? So an extension to Skim called Skim Pam, and we have a uh, we have some, some some specific interest around that. But um, sort of improving the core protocol, improving the core uh, API and the core use cases is uh, is work I get to do as part of my um, you know contribution back to the community, the infosec community at large. Hmm. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I saw that you you have a co-presenter here, Danny. Uh, yeah, so uh, this is actually, uh, I'll be talking about this at Identiverse, so I'm really looking forward to that. This yeah. will be the first time I'll have gone to an Identiverse in person in, gosh, at least four years, maybe even longer. Um, and uh, I put a, a talk proposal in to give an update to the community about what the work is that we've been doing around the next version of Skim. Uh, and so, yeah, Danny's owner from Microsoft and I will be co-presenting at Identiverse on that topic. So I think it's Wednesday morning. Uh, if, you know, if you're at Identiverse, definitely tune into that one. 
And I think that's June 22nd. I, I, so Identiverse 2022 is in Denver, Colorado, runs from June 21st to 24th, 2022. And yeah, yeah, Wednesday, let's see. At 11.30 a.m. to 11.55 That sounds right. I'll be there. It, the uh, I was showing uh, Adrian a picture before we got started recording of my slides. And on the opening slide, there's a picture of a tapir's butt. So if you're really interested in seeing the what a tapir's butt looks like, come to that presentation. You'll find out. <laughs> What's new in the zoo? Yeah. Actually, I on my Instagram the other day, I saw somebody petting a, a tapir. Mm. And if, if you've never seen a taper, like it's nothing really prepares you for it. It's like who who made it an elephant with a pig? Right. Like that that's your first impression. You've got to think that like the you when um, when when drawings of new world animals were brought back to the old world, what must they have thought about what what existed in this strange place, right? So what? Yeah, they're they're thinking what drugs did you find yeah, over right. there in the new world before you started drawing? <laughs> also them? a valid question. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and not to say that they didn't, you know, but um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right. So, so what's what's kind of the goal of this talk? You know, what what's the what's the call to action that you're going for uh, with SEIM? This is about. Um, is this a second version of it that's coming out? Yeah, a new revision. Yeah, good question. So, what we're trying to accomplish with this talk is really just to get the community up to speed on what we've been doing. I think Skim maybe doesn't get as much love as some of the front end protocols, like SAML, like you mentioned, SAML for SSO or SAML for other purposes is a great one in the identity world. Skim is one of those standards that's like its core to how identity systems talk to each other. But unless you wake up every morning caring a whole lot about IDPs and service providers and stuff, you're probably not, Skim is probably not on your right. radar. And so um, for a, uh, a I, won't say, I won't say small, but for a, a select part of the identity community, what we're looking at changing in Skim is, uh, is going to be pretty impactful in a positive way. Like we're actually trying to make some significant improvements. So uh, giving that update to the community uh, and then trying to get more community members involved, right? Uh, I think all of us are always smarter than some of us. And so trying to get more of the all of us involved. Um, under the IETF framework, anyone can join and anyone can contribute to the standard and the discussions around the standard. Uh, and so definitely opening that up to as many people want to join that as possible. I think the other thing that we're trying to do here is make Skim a little bit more relevant by hooking into some of the other protocols that have emerged in the last 10 years. So Skim, uh, Skim 1.0 came out in December of 2011. So we're talking about more than a decade ago. A few things, small things have happened in the enterprise security world since then. Uh, including the development of some really interesting specifications that we think um, belong uh, you know, sort of connected to SKIM. So things like SET for security events and some other ones as well. So thinking about how does SKIM fit into a larger ecosystem of identity-related standards, identity and security-related standards, uh, what, you know, what role does it have to play in the future there? So trying to get um, more broadly thinking about that uh, and adapting SKIM uh, into that world. Um, Skim 2.0 actually came out in September of 2015. Uh, so we're already, the world already has Skim 2.0 in hand. What we end up calling what we're working on now is actually one of the open topics for debate. So it might be a formalization oh, right. of Skim 2.0, which was never, which was never yeah. turned into an internet standard. It was always, it, it remains today a draft, but we might call it, we might end up calling it Skim 3.0 just for clarification, because there's a lot, quite a bit, a lot that we're changing around the standard as well. And we don't want it to be confusing to people. It's like, oh, Skim 2.0 pre-2023 or Skim 2.0 post-2023. We don't want 
make that too confusing. So we'll see what we end up naming it. Um, it'll be a consensus driven decision, like a lot of the ITF decisions. So before we dive into some of the new stuff, um, you know, that, that, that's coming out with this, uh, what, what is your uh, formal involvement involvement with skim? Are you on like a, a standards review board or something like that? Yeah. So there's a, a mailing list, a skim mailing list. You can join it through the ITF. Anyone's welcome to join. So that's how I got involved initially was uh, thinking about, okay, what does remediate need to know about skim as part of this you know, sort of identity and security ecosystem? Uh, we often, you know, Remediate often sits at the sort of the edge between the security world and the identity world and Skim is one of the relevant standards. So I joined the mailing list and said, you know, I'd love to just listen and learn like what, what kind of the, the dialogue is all about. And so when uh, an impetus sort of uh, emerged around creating some adaptations and some improvements to Skim, I, I raised my hand and said, yeah, this is like a thing I might want to be able to help out with. Um, at the end of the day, we're all peer uh, contributors, peer reviewers and contributors. So uh, we have a formal ITF uh, uh, chair, uh, Nancy, uh, who's fantastic and helps us keep uh, in compliance with all the ITF rules around internet standards. Um, but at the end of the day, it's up to the community to uh, propose and review the content itself. Okay. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, let, let's get into some of what is new about it. You know, what's changing, you know, first of all, you said 2.0 came out in 2015. That doesn't mean that everybody shifted over to it and started using it in 2016. Right. Like, mm -hmm. Is is that still a challenge, like like migration from to the latest version of the standard? Yeah, so thankfully, Skim has been backwards compatible since the initial draft. And so what Skim 2.0 added was some additional capabilities around bulk operations and other things. And so if, you, if you're Facebook, for instance, and you're trying to do backend synchronization between your identity store and, say, Instagram's identity store, I, I don't know this for a fact, I'm just pro projecting here, but knowing that you could do bulk operations right. might be a valuable thing, right? When you're trying to synchronize potentially billions of identity information, right? Yeah, you can be really inefficient <laughs> you otherwise, You can be right? very inefficient. So, mm -hmm. uh, so adding some additional HTTP verbs was also added in 2.0. So depending on what it is you're actually trying to accomplish, you may have started to pick up some of the 2.0 concepts just to, in order to make your operations more efficient. Um, the intention for what we're calling vNext, whatever ends up being called 2.1 or formalization of 2.0, or even 3.0 uh, sort of collectively refer to that all those possible outcomes as V next um, will also be backward compatible. So the idea is that we'll continue to extend Skim, make it better, but we're not going to go back and break all of the existing interfaces for Skim. Okay. Any questions, Joe? It's really interesting how scalable it is. Is it, so this may be a dumb question, but is it more of a protocol for how you communicate with other systems and like the schema of what you're using to communicate between? Yeah, exactly. It's a schema, but also the the, the how protocol, right? Like how do you use a, a get, okay. you know, an HTTP get, for instance, to synchronize between my, you know, my, let's say my HR identity system and some line of business application that needs to know that Adrian, you know, his birth date was, you know, March 1st or whatever. I made up your birthday, by the way, Adrian, hope that's okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and groups too, right? Like I'm thinking about authorization. So, you know, like uh, some HR system or maybe, maybe it's, I, I would assume active directory is, is a common system that we'd communicate with, you know, tells me I'm in a group that gives me access to certain things and, 
whatever application it's pulling from needs to know that. That's right. It needs to know that Adrian's a member of, uh, you know, Beer Drinkers Anonymous or whatever, like that group is very important. Yeah. Yep. But look at that. Not, look at that. that <laughs> how did I, how did I know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But a lot has, a yeah. lot has no, changed no, even no, since no. 2015, <laughs> right? So uh, we've seen obviously mass adoption of cloud technologies. And so Skim is often used to synchronize, say, a company's HR information to the new cloud solution that they just, new, new fancy cloud solution they just adopted for, say, uh, you know, multi-person uh, 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 collaboration on documents or something like that. So um, a lot has changed since 2015. And so some of the things we're looking at now bringing into the standard reflect some of those changes as well. Okay. I think another big driver. Yeah, and it, yeah, it, it, looks, it, look, it looks like uh, specific schemas are part of the standard as well, or, or, you know, is that more of something that breaks out into special interest groups? Like every standard has SIGs attached to it, right? Yeah, indeed. I think probably the most commonly used standard for skim is the uh, the most commonly used schema for skim is the HR schema. And so that defines in a sort of well-defined way what a first name looks like, what a last name looks like, what a date of birth looks like, et cetera. So that it sort of sort of what just works, right? When you hook up your HR system to some other line of business application, you don't have to decide whether it's date of birth is DOB or date underscore birth, uh, you know, et cetera, like that. It's all sort of defined ahead of time in the schema. The schemas are extensible. And so if you have some special attribute, some magic attribute that you need to track, it's possible to extend those schemas. But there's a couple of schemas that exist. Um, we're actually, that's one of the things that we're looking at adding to the standard is to add some more of the more commonly used schemas into the standard itself so that there's less work for those that are actually using the standard to connect these systems together. I think probably one of the biggest drivers of change we've seen though is around privacy requirements. And so, you know, the, I was about to ask about privacy. Yeah, <laughs> right. The world has changed. Thank goodness, right? The world's changed significantly uh, in privacy. In fact, just in order to log on to this webcasting tool so that I could uh, have this conversation. I think I had to accept like four different privacy waivers. So like <laughs> obviously the world's woken up to the privacy concerns a lot more, even within, you know, with, even within the enterprise, um, you don't just uh, send all the information to all of the systems all the time, just because you can, there's really a, a sort of a least privilege like concept when it comes to sharing data between systems. And so bringing more of that into skim uh, is something we're looking at adding so that uh, you can decide to share these specific fields with this target system, but maybe not these other fields with this other target system to avoid, uh, you know, sending information where you don't have to. And just just as an expression of the issues we have and challenges we have in privacy, I have absolutely no recollection of any privacy waivers <laughs> when I came into this application. I don't know if it's because I've connected to it before and, and I clicked them off that first time. But uh, you saw four, I saw none, and, and I probably got them all. I'm just trained to, yeah, okay, okay. Get Wait, hold up that yeah. beverage again, Adrian. Yeah. <laughs> let's see, let's see. How much? How much how... I, it's it's uh, it, it was before oh, okay. I even fair, touched fair it. Enough. Okay, so it was. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, tr trying to think about smarter ways to keep systems from uh, pulling in data that they don't need, right? Especially identity information, personally identifiable information is, is a big yeah. driver of change. I think another big uh, driver of change is a you know, larger data sets, right? There's just more systems, more identities. There's just more of all these things. And in order to make Skim more efficient for synchronizing that data between systems, there's a lot we've mm -hmm. done, um, again, in the drafts to think about how do we do better querying, better filtering, better pagination for results, 
um, so that we can keep these identity systems in sync with each other without having to go through really laborious, you know, paginated uh, synchronization efforts. Do you see a lot of abuse of this where like for a lot of developers, it's just easier to say, yeah, give me whatever you got for Adrian and I'll figure out later, like I'll, I'll parse out what I need and throw away the I rest. think unfortunately, and this is not going to come as a surprise at all. I think that is still the default, right? The default is just like, if I can get all these yeah. attributes, I'm going to download all the attributes, right? Um, and maybe I don't really care about all of them, but I'm going to synchronize them all anyway. And so um, that means that on the sad day when your system gets breached, it's your social security number and your phone number and your first name and your last name and your group membership and your blah, 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 right? All those things get breached when really all at the end of the day it was we needed was that Gravatar, uh, you know, face image that we were really after. <laughs> yeah, just a URL to it even. It's not even like an image, right? It's just the, the Gravatar URL. Exactly. Um, so, so what's the... Um, What's the trust relationship between two endpoints, you know, that, that are using, is there like an API key typically, you know, and that's how they get access to it. And, and can that key, can that key have, you know, specific controls over, you can get this, but not this, you know, at an attribute level. Yeah. So today, uh, Skim supports bearer tokens, right? So the, the most boring form of REST-based authentication uh, that exists in the world. Right. Um, but that is definitely one of the things we're looking at adapting. So going beyond bearer tokens and thinking about how do we tie this into OAuth or other standards so that we can have more dynamic um, uh, authentications, uh, you know, authentication capabilities between systems. Um even worse, some of the capabilities of Skim don't allow for any authentication at all. So we were just sort of joking about profile images. Well, today, mm. there's no way for Skim to say, all right, well, here's the URL for Adrian's beautiful Gravatar image. And oh, here's how you need to authenticate to Gravatar to pull that down. There's no capability to do that. All we can do is send a URL. So if, the, if that URL is not world readable, then it won't really work. And right. so thinking about how do we bring authentication for some of those third-party systems into the standard is definitely one of the focuses uh, on top of what I mentioned before, which was to bring better authentication to the core standard itself, right? So we're not just doing, you know, super boring bearer tokens. Um, your question around sort of least authorization, right? So can I issue you an API yeah. key that only gives you access to last name? Yeah, because yeah. I'm thinking like GDPR, mm -hmm. you know, like like maybe with one organization, you know, yeah, they're, they're in the U.S. and you just you know, whatever, here's the whole thing, but GDPR, you're much more careful about, um, you know, depending on when the, where the organization is, uh, how much data you share out of that, that schema. Yeah, that's right. So this is definitely falls into that, that sort of the headline of things that the standard doesn't specify, but are in the best practices guide, right? So the best practices would certainly be that if you're a skim server, right. And you allow skim clients to connect to you and, and ask for data that you as a skim server, don't just make everything available to all skim clients, right? You have some sort of authorization model, whether it's enforced by the schema or whether it's enforced by some other mechanism to say that, you know, Adrian's super hacked together skim clients only allowed to access certain attributes. That's definitely a best practice. Um, the standard doesn't require it uh, today. That's definitely a, a topic of conversation. So how can, you know, before we wrap here, how, how can people contact you uh, or, or get involved with Skim if this is something up their alley, you know, that that they have to deal with, that they're interested in weighing in on? Yeah, the best way, how would they go yeah, the best way that? would be to join the Skim ITF mailing list. Um, mailing lists are still a thing, right? So we're, what, 
70, close yeah. 60 years into the email journey, uh, it's still a thing, right? So the best way is to join that. Um, for this specific working group, we have a GitHub page, we've got um, uh, a link tracker, we've got a number of other different collaboration tools we've added on top of this. But if you join the mailing list, you'll be able to see links to all those sort of things and you can get involved and find out what we're working on. And then of course, I have to put a plug in for my Identiverse session. So if you're going to be at Identiverse, I uh, would love to have you uh, in the audience there uh, and uh, come say hi, uh, certainly afterward or before. Awesome. Well, Paul, thanks for joining us today on, on Enterprise Security Weekly. All right, thanks, Adrian. Thanks, Joe. Thanks. <laughs> I almost said Paul Security Weekly because your name is Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. So everybody, uh, stay tuned. When we come back, we're going to talk about accelerating security response with Bill Bernard from DeepWatch. Watch.